This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. You're listening to I Hate the Fins. This is episode, we're in the high 40s now. I think we haven't hit 50 yet. We're close though, which is another milestone mark for us. Thanks for tuning in. My name is Keith. I'm joined by my co-host, Zach, as always. Uh, we are eight days before the draft. Yeah. And we're, it's, it's hard to tell. Usually I, I'd have a better feel for it if we weren't in a quarantine. Yep. I think um, there are times where I have to keep reminding myself that today is Wednesday, actually. So that's part of the difficulty. It's a week from tomorrow. I know that. So we thought that we would use this episode to kind of do a final wrap, if you will, on all the, the players we've been talking about for, it seems like months, pretty much forever. This has got to be one of the longest drafted draft periods i can recall just because the of the way everything went down in the 2019 draft we knew that 2020 was going to be big and then labor day weekend oh should go ahead on top of that too i mean that you were you were just about to hit it i think with you know the season didn't even start and it was draft mode because they traded off tunsil and minka and once you pick up two extra first round picks like it's draft time yeah, yeah. I mean, Saturday, Labor Day weekend, they trade Tunsil that afternoon and they talk Kenny Stills in there and hope nobody notices. But I mean, at the time, I remember thinking because the week leading up to that, we all expected Tunsil to get his new contract. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we thought that was going to be a thing. And then Saturday afternoon comes around and nah, man, he's gone. He's going to Houston. B.O.B. <clears throat> gives up a lot for him. And then I mentioned Stills is in that deal too. And then the Minka trade, Minka was, is that late? It was late September, right? Yeah, I think that was after week two, after the the uh, the New England loss. Okay. Uh, and I I was gonna say I I don't think we were in October yet, but uh, yeah, again. So I mean, you pick up a first there, and at the time that first looked really promising because Ben Roethlisberger was out. Pittsburgh managed to fight through it anyway the let's be honest outside of baltimore the north was absolutely terrible this year so i mean it works out in their favor um and then we end up with 18 so we're sitting at 5 18 and 26 so we'll use this episode we'll go over some of the guys we like some of the guys we don't like we'll kind of try to put a 
a final spin on a lot of the chatter going on right now. And it's, I mean, it's only going to get heavier, but I, I got to say that I don't want to say it's like a civil war right now, but man, did it turn into camp two versus camp Herbert fast? Uh, I'm excited for the bloodbath. Oh my. And it, it is just that too. There's not even much talk. Like, I mean, you can't even go with Switzerland and, and try to go with Jordan love right now. I mean, it's, Everyone's picking a side. Armando's taking a side. Omar is taking a side. And it's just feeding into this. I get that that's kind of what Twitter's there for, is to just kind of kick up some dust right now. I mean, people are excited. I think people are nervous. Um, And it's because they can't control it, right? I mean, but the thing is, they act like all of this this preening and all of this other shit, if you will, on Twitter is going to make one ounce of difference in terms of who Miami takes. I mean, I mean, I'm sure that they're still finalizing their board, but you and I have said for the longest time, they know what they're doing. They know what they know who they want. They might not know how they're going to get that person, because I think that there are a couple of variables that need to slide into place first. We'll talk about that too. But I mean, at this point they know. Oh yeah. I mean, even even if they don't for sure have their eyes set on one guy, because um, I do think there's there's a truth to they prefer Tua, um, but they definitely like Herbert. Um, I think they have a vision for their ideal draft plan. Um, and I think they're going to do the best that they can to execute that draft plan um, with the variables that come that way, obviously. So, um, you know, again, you talked about 5, 18, 26. Um, but I mean, they have what th- six picks total in the the top 100 39 56 and 70 yeah and then there's a massive you know 70 pick drought until 141 i think that comp pick is um but so i mean they they got the stuff to do what they want um you know I, they definitely have a game plan in mind you know they they definitely have a plan b a plan c um and uh i'm quite honestly i'm more comfortable with with potentially what they do at five than I've been with them in a long time. So yeah. I was going to say, uh, if anyone out there has stressed out more about pick 18 than you, I'd like to meet them because yeah. I mean, that, that one has been your, your anxiety trigger for a while now, really since I want to say since November, I think that you've been looking at that pick. You're like, man, that's, that's where things can get really good or really bad. Yep. Yeah. So I, I mean, at 18, there's, there's a chance that that's absolute no man's land where you're either then reaching for something that's going to fill a need or, you know, potentially taking something that's BPA, um, that quite honestly, the dolphins don't have outside a corner, I guess, at this point, um, anything confirmed and locked down, uh, with picks that you wouldn't go with. But, um, but I mean, 18 could be it absolutely barren depending on how the board falls um, and that's why i've been such a big proponent of trading trading up with that pick um use those picks that you got for anybody that thinks they're going to make 14 picks in this draft i'm sorry but you're wrong um they will not make 14 picks they're going to try to get that down to you know eight nine ten maybe 11 picks because if they make 14 picks that's like a 20 million dollar draft class that's a really really expensive draft class um, and then on top of that, you ain't going to have 14 guys make a 53-man roster. That, no. it, it just is what it is. It's just too many people, too little spots. So, I mean, it's, it's currency, too. I mean, like, yeah, yeah. Th- I think that those first six picks within the top 100 are going to be a fireworks display enough where you're going to need those 70 picks to breathe, probably, unless something really weird happens. Um, you mentioned reaching at 18 is Austin Jackson a reach at 18 quite honestly anybody out of the top four offensive tackles I think is a reach um to what degree their reach varies by player to player um I think the least reach out of them is um Jones from Houston there Mm -hmm. but even then Jones Jones has some things he's got to work on clean up um so uh he he would end up being a day one starter with what the Dolphins offensive tackles look like. Um, but it it's just I think it's more valuable to to move back into the early teens. Um if there's a chance to secure one of those top four offensive tackles, 
versus sitting at 18 and seeing what falls to you. Um, you know, it, it's, it's not worth the choose your own adventure of sitting at 18, you know, secure your own destiny, go up and, and make the pick that you want to make. Choose your own adventure. Tight. That was a nice reference. I saw the Bucky Brooks mock with Austin Jackson, not well received at that pick. Yeah. Almost so that, cause, and he had it with them passing on to a four herbs at five, mm-hmm. which, I mean, we've talked about, it seems like half of Dolphins fans are okay with that now, which it, let's just appreciate the, the way that brand has grown. Because if you, if we had gone back in time to let's say October yep. and said that the Dolphins are going to pass on to a, for Justin Herbert at five, I don't think 50% of the fan base is signing off on that. No, for sure. And I mean, quite honestly, in October, I'm not signing off on it either. No, no. Um, no. And here's the thing. At the end of the day, is is Herbert a reach at five technically based on value, based on, you know, my board, your board, whoever's board? Um, yeah, I mean, he is. But we know and understand the, the currency of quarterback in the NFL. Um, if If you have a preferred guy, you take him wherever. Daniel Jones was not worth six overall for the Giants, but that was their guy, so you can't fault him um and he put together a nice little year um but i mean it's it's kind of funny i I've gone back and done a ton of research and work on on herbert especially um and, and a lot of the numbers suggest that herbert Herbert's actually probably the best guy in this class in the red zone, which is a really good thing to be, right? Um, you know, that's something where numbers wise, passing wise, he's he's in the top percentage of um turning those red zone trips into touchdowns. And that doesn't include using his legs. That's just using his arm. So that's something that's really good to see. Um problem is again he he struggles in that that nine to, to fifteen yard area um, at times he, he struggles with consistency. Um, those are the things that we've talked about. You know what you're getting into with Justin Herbert, but I think as he's gone through the process and as he played Utah and um, Wisconsin in the Rose Bowl, you got to see some extra things that make the the downside and potentially the things that are going to be bad with Herbert um, kind of even out a little. So you, now at least you know what you're getting into and you shouldn't feel terrible if the Dolphins draft Herbert at five um, because he's got he's got the things that you want and hopefully the, the coaching staff can build off of it. Um, whereas Tua, again, the flip side, you you know the, the injury issue, um, you know the, the chance that you're taking there, you know even if he's healthy his whole career, it may only be a six to eight-year career, you know. Um, it could be an Andrew Luck thing, which if it's if it's outstanding play for six to eight years, you know, that's all you can ask for. Um, and and Tua is easily the most proficient guy in this class on third and fourth downs, which is something that's huge, right? You know, that's why why Tua's and Alabama's ability to move the ball consistently on drives was outstanding during his whole time at Alabama, because he, he was good on third down and kept drives going. Um so I mean there's plus or minuses with both guys. You're not coming away with a clean quarterback pick from either. Um, so, you know, trying to talk Dolphins fans off the ledge here, whoever they walk away with at five, it's, if it's one of those two guys, don't be upset about it. You're you're in good hands. It's now up to the coaching staff to do their job. I still think it's Tua. I think that... Me too. Oh, man. Yeah, we, we've talked about this ad nauseum just because we will read things on Twitter and like, we just kind of crack up because the dolphins have done a really good job this time around for a team that seemed dead set on Tua when they made all of those, those trades um, in September. Um, they've convinced a lot of people that maybe they don't go that route. I don't, I don't buy it. I think that until, until he's not and they're they're making a different selection at five for me he's the guy uh, the thing that was interesting to me watching his um the video of his pro day um it's so strange to me that he's considered uh injury prone because he is thick in the lower half mm-hmm. and that's typically something where people sign off and they're you know they're like oh no he needs more you know he doesn't have enough an, enough bulk in his leg so we worry about his injuries also, 
I mean, the I feel like that hip thing when you have two guys on top of you like that, given that he had that well, he had a calf strain going into that game anyway. Yep. Yeah. Um, against Mississippi State, that that happens to anyone pretty much. I think like if you're in that situation, your hips coming out. Yeah, so I mean, yeah. you can have that talk about you know, is it a complication going forward? I don't know. It sounds like he made great strides. Uh, already in terms of rehabilitating from that injury it's not like Bo Jackson 30 years ago like when he destroyed his hip against Cincinnati in the playoffs yeah I, I, I mean is, I mean when oh, it comes ahead. when it comes to the hip like again it's just I mean one I'm not a doctor from from what I understand it's it's not a worry about the hip getting hurt again having having an issue like that it's it's more with blood flow and and kind of the back end of the the hip joint, um, the more inner part there. Um, and yeah. again, like like you said, like the Bo Jackson thing was like thirty years ago. Uh, you yeah. know, medicine had got astronomically better since then. You know, again, I mean, when when they did to his ankles, like to his ankles are better off now than they were before. And I mean, like one of those injuries, like that he suffered, what well, been in the uh, the SEC title game. Who who was it who stepped on it? Was it Jonah Williams? Yeah, I, for, I forget. I forget exactly who it was. I don't remember the the Alabama lineman. Somebody like was in pass pr- protection, and they just uh, while stepping back, just they caught Tua, and they just stepped right on his ankle. Yeah, you know when you have a three hundred pounder do that, yeah, that's going to be a problem. But the thing is, is it, so when people talk about being injury prone, are you telling me that there are people who? come out of that and they aren't injured that's just how it works mm-hmm. i mean it's a sport i mean like his, his foot was just in the wrong wrong area at that point and he i mean he was able to play through it somewhat they brought in jalen hurts for some of that game but i'm not worried about his ankles the hip thing as long as it checks out and it is a little bit of a gamble right now but i mean if you're depending on or if you're banking on modern medicine coming through for you i i just i wouldn't use that as um, a rationalization to pass on him. Yeah, I just I wouldn't do it. I think that if he's been your guy for that long, and I don't believe the Dolphins would would get knocked off the trail based on that anyway. I mean, it's complicated things a little bit, but on the other end, if you think about it, I mean, he was the number one pick up until that happened. I mean, Joe Burrow was looked at as the number two guy when that injury happened in November. So. I don't know. I I still believe, I know you said the same thing. He's still the guy at this point. Um, the one thing I do want to bring up, and we we've touched about touched on this before. Detroit sounds like there's activity for that third pick. I have no idea what the conversations have been like. I don't know what they're asking for. I don't know what they'd actually take. But we've mentioned this on the show that I don't know that you're moving that pick until Washington makes their selection because you don't know who Washington's taking and you're going to look like you're going to look like a complete dipshit if you trade out of that spot and then Chase Young ends up falling to three. Yeah. And and I mean the exact inverse too, right? So if a team trades up, one of the QB needy teams trades up and then God forbid you get to, to draft night and you know, quarterbacks go one and two and then you're stuck with three. You know, you're probably making that that third quarterback pick there, and of course, you're as your GM, you're going to the podium and saying, "Yeah, that's the guy that we wanted. That's why we moved up for it." But like, chances right. are, you just got boned. Um, so I I don't I don't see that pick getting traded until Detroit's on the clock. Um, yeah. So just like you said, that's that's kind of all there is to it at this point. And I mean, there's an advantage for Detroit in that too, because as you mentioned, when they go on the clock like that. And that moment becomes real. Then you can have teams that turns into a real bidding war, a legitimate bidding war at that point, if people want that third pick. But I think that if you're Detroit and you need someone like Chase Young, you can't trade out of there until you know he's not going to be there at three. And you can't trust what Washington's going to do. I mean, you yeah. just can't. I mean, we're, that's a, this could all be a, a moot conversation, really, because they could take Tua for all we know. So... That would be horrible too. Can you imagine just yeah. the the overall the overall mood of Dolphins Twitter if Tua if two is gone at two and then again things get weird then because are you gonna 
are you moving up for Justin Herbert? Are you trying to trying to finagle something with? Uh, at that point, it's the Giants because I, there's no way in hell Detroit's moving out of that spot if Chase Young is sitting there. I don't think so, at least. So I mean, things get weird. That that is a board that I mean, that's things get really strange quickly, and it, I mean, it could happen. Yeah, I mean, I I think in the at the end of the day, um, I think there's a really good chance that the first four, potentially even five picks, just go chalk. Um, you know, I I I just don't see. I think Miami's gonna try to stay at five, and I think they're gonna try to deploy the you know to a preferred Herbert, um, if not kind of plan, because I I just don't think they want to give up. 18 or 26, I think they might be willing to part with a 2021 uh, first round pick. Um, but I, I think they're trying to jumpstart this this team and this game plan now. This isn't a two, three year, let's kind of get into the swing of things. I think they want to be rolling by 2021, 2022. Yeah, yeah. This, this is definitely a kick maximum ass draft in terms yeah. of, I mean, like you're not you're not putting all your eggs away. And then waiting for 2021, not with the way this coaching staff goes. I don't think they have that in them. Um, the one thing that some people I've seen some people discuss is if you're Miami, though, and suppose two is not there. You have the ultimate insurance policy in that you have done a ton of research on Justin Herbert. We see that report come out all the time that no team has spent more time analyzing, scouting, researching him than Miami. So that's interesting too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, again, I, I think he's definitely in play. Um, you know, I don't. I think there's, I think there's some smokescreen to the overall conversation with the Dolphins of who they're going to take because they've had mention and made mention of every quarterback at some point trading up for Burrow. They're going to take two at five. They're going to trade up for two at three. They're going to take Herbert. You know, Herbert's their guy that they prefer. They've had, you know, they were one of the first teams to jump on love before everything got shut down with the Corona situation. Um, so I think there's a smokescreen in a sense that the Dolphins have deployed all quarterback options and explored all of those options out there. Um, I think there's truth to they really like Herbert and Tua and they will land on one of those two. How that comes to be, I'm not sure. Uh, but again, I'd. I just, if I'm a Dolphins fan, I'm not worrying about five. Uh, five will either become three, five will stay five, and they'll take a quarterback. I think that's how it goes down. Um, I think there's a world potentially where, you know, you get one goes Burrow, two goes um, Chase Young. The Chargers decide to make a play and move up for Tua and or Herbert at three. And then you could potentially play the game of like, okay, now there's guys, potentially Isaiah Simmons, Jeffrey Okuda sitting there. Are there people at the bottom half of the top 10 that want to move down? You know, does Jacksonville want to move up from nine? Um, something like that, where you play the the risky game where you bump down, acquire something more, um, work out a deal or something like that, and still land whatever your preferred or one of the two preferred quarterbacks are. Um, you know, that could be something tricky, but like, I just wouldn't worry about five. You know, I would I would not spend this next week worrying about five at all. You know, I'd start looking towards 18 and 26 and the possibilities there. Um, and just enjoy that you will probably be walking out of five, you know, next week with a quarterback or the vicinity of five will have a quarterback. I just I want I just want people not to worry. It's kind of what it comes down to. Yeah, no, they can't help it. I mean, honestly, if I, I if I spent more time thinking about it, I would get all anxious over it too. I just have so much uh, other stuff going on right now that um, I haven't thought about as much as I should. The politically, though, it looks great, doesn't it? Because if two is their guy and they get him, then it's you know we had to say whatever we could to to get people off the trail so we could draft you. And if it's Herbert, they can just say, well, that's why we've been singing your praises the whole time. So, I mean, the spin is already in place for them. That looks great. The other thing you mentioned earlier in the show, uh, I do think that 18 is the one they want to move. I think they would like to stand pat at five if they can. I think 18 is where they're going to is where they're really going to get active. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I could see them attacking from 18 all the way back into the the top 10. I mean, at they that might point, have if, to. 
Like it, it just just imagine this scenario of you take you get Tua or Herbert at five. Who cares which one it is, right? You got your quarterback. And then um Carolina gets on the clock at seven. Carolina I'm not convinced Carolina is looking to accomplish anything major, major in this draft. They have their eyes set to re- hitting the reset button for next draft. Get on the phone with them. Say, we'll give you 18 and uh, a 2021 first and one of our whole bunch of day three picks or something, maybe two of those or something like that. Move up from 18 to to seven. And now you're talking, you get your quarterback and potentially uh, first crack at the offensive tackles if the Giants didn't take one. Yeah. Um, you know, or or maybe first crack at, you know, offensive tackle or Simmons or Derek Brown even or whatever it may be. Um, I, I think they're really going to be aggressive with that 18th pick. And I think they're going to attack using that 18th pick, not the fifth overall pick. Yeah. And I mean, if you're if you're Miami and you're looking to give up a, a 2021, you're I think you're unloading your own pick instead of Houston's at this point, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, we like to joke that Houston's going to be terrible. I think they're going to be fine as usual. Um, I think there's a chance that they're six and ten, seven and nine, eight and eight, somewhere in that realm. Um, so, I mean, and I, I think the Dolphins could still be in that realm as well. Um, so, at the end of the day, I, I, I don't know how future pick trade happens if you have to designate or specify which it is. Mm-hmm. Um, it might be a thing where it's better to specify it because um, who knows if you, you say, ah, we'll give you one of them, we'll figure that out later. And then it turns out somehow it ends up being the the higher of the two, um, you know, but but yeah, I think, you know, people talk about, you know, when they were talking about Joe Burrow trade, right? They're talking about, you know, are they going to have to trade all three first round picks this year? They One, they're not going to do that. They, no. They've set themselves up for this year for a reason. Um, so if they traded up for Burrow, uh, it would be two first round picks this year, first round pick next year, second round pick this year, next year, whatever. Um, so again, if they try to move up with 18 and something else, they're going to potentially try to unload a first from next year. And I think they make a drastic move. Yeah. Can you imagine if they get like OT2? Because I mean, let's just assume I, the Giants take one. Let's, and I'm, that's st- fair. I'm starting to see that their guy might be Tristan Wirfs, which I think we did, I think we said that last fall that we wouldn't be surprised if he ended up being the first guy to go. Because, I mean... Yeah, the, the top four offensive tackles, there's no consensus on that. And, and I mean, that's, that's reports coming from everywhere that everybody has them in a different order of some sort. So, if I mean, if you trade up and suppose you're getting that, that Carolina pick then, man, that would be awesome. It's got to be Andrew Thomas, right? If he's still there. Uh, so my preference is Andrew Thomas. And and it's funny because you now start seeing reports that like, you know, Andrew Thomas could be a top 10 pick. People are really coming around to him. Like he could be the top offensive tackle in this class. And I'm just like, yeah, like I knew that like four months ago, yeah, right. uh, you know, he's not the sexiest guy. Like, but like, if you want a guy who's just going to be really good across the board, um, that's the guy that you want. Like he has the highest floor of all of them. And his ceiling, you know, is is a Pro Bowl type of tackle. Um, you know, he's like I said, he's Jason Peters, um, which is awesome. Who who wouldn't want that? Um, Especially because he's played forever. Days, yeah, yeah. And so, but I think if if there's a guy offensive tackle wise, I think the two guys that quite honestly the Dolphins are going to have a lot of interest is. A and B, I think, are Mackay Becton and Tristan, or not Tristan Wirfs, uh, Jedrick yeah, Wills. Um, and I think Jedrick Wills becomes the target if they do draft Tua. Mm-hmm. I think it's a comfort level thing. Um, I think it's a, a they've done work together. It works. You've seen it happen. Um, and then I think Becton makes a ton of sense for the offense that they're going to run with Chan Gailey, where when the ball's on the ground, they want to run dudes off the line. But when the ball's in the air, it's gonna be like three steps and out. Like if if you see a if you see five step drops and stuff like that, I'd be surprised. I really doubt there's gonna be anything seven step or, or anything like that. Um, I think they'll work a lot of that stuff out of the gun if they're gonna go for something that would require a, a five to seven step drop. Um, but so I think Makai Becton really fits what they want to do offensively um, with Chan Geely's type of offense. Um, and I think 
the way they've looked at Thomas is depending on where, you know, if they move to somewhere or, or if someone does fall, it could be him. Uh, and I think he is the really solid dream number three for them. Oh, man. I love this offensive tackle class. I think that it's almost unfortunate that there's so much. This is advertiser content brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down, we break down who will be cutting, cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snackin'. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hit Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it then in that moment. You don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of like afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. Of an emphasis placed on the quarterbacks, Isaiah Simmons, Jeff Okuda, uh, the receivers that this big four tackle class and really beyond because Josh Jones isn't ready to play, but Josh Jones could be really good. I mean, Austin Jackson is raw as all get out, but like some of his tape was extremely pretty. So, I mean, yeah, no. And and I mean, it even goes deeper than that. I think, I think if they want to double down on tackle and pick another guy, you know, with potentially 70 or move higher up in the fourth round or something like there's some really good dudes after that. Like I think, Prince Takeawanogo should go probably day two. Um, Lucas Niang, there's a lot of people that like him. I'm not as high on him. He's a, he's a really solid right tackle um, who could potentially kick into guard. Uh, had a hip injury, which kind of hindered him this year, but he played really well against Ohio State last year, um, which is really important, obviously. Uh, but then, I mean, there's other dudes like Ezra Cleveland. Um, I like Jack Driscoll a lot out of um, – Auburn as a, a right tackle as well. Sadiq Charles is somebody that's really athletic, played really well for LSU this year, has some off the field concerns and maturity issues and stuff like that. And I mean, the list goes on from there that there's other, you know, uh, who's the, the dude from St. John's Ben Barch. Yeah. Yeah. Ben Barch. He, he is a solid, you know, uh, D three player. So like, it's a good offensive tackle class. So if they want to double dip, like it's not something where you have to worry about, it'd be better off for them attacking one of the top four guys and then trying to get somebody of quality with 70 or moving up in the fourth round or something than sticking at 18, overdrafting Josh Stones, and then, you know, coming back at 26 or 39 and taking Austin Jackson. You know, you you don't want two guys that you got to really work on and have a hope and a prayer on that you're spending two picks on. Is Thomas your OT1? regardless of Tua or Herbert. Yeah. Oh, a- Andrew Thomas is is my top offensive tackle. Um him and Tristan Wirfs are back to back on my board at 9 and 10. Those are my top um, two as well. And then I have Jedrick Wills at 12 on my board and I have Mackay Becton at 19. Um Becton definitely has some stuff that he has to clean up. Um you know, but 
if you're interested in his size and ability, I have no problem with any with him going as the first offensive tackle. If you told me any of those guys went at four um, to the Giants, I would not argue with you whatsoever. When Becton is on, I've, I said this early, and then I saw a lot of people throw out this comp, so I stopped, but I can't get over it. When he's on, he looks just like Brian McKinney. It just, oh, for sure. It just reminds me of when that dude... I remember, I don't think Brian McKinney gave up a sack at at Miami. I think that was the big thing when he came out and was drafted in, uh, I think it was 2002. Um, that was the thing. He had never given up a sack. Yeah, I, I too have uh, Thomas. So your comp for Thomas is Peters. He reminds me a lot of DeBrickashaw Ferguson. Yeah, yeah. I think they yeah. kind of fall into the same offensive tackle family. Just like Workman-like. Yeah, you yeah. know, and like the one thing he's got with because Debrickashaw Debr- Ferguson, I'm having a hard time talking right now. Uh, stupid arm length. That yeah, was, yeah, that was both the of them on him when he came out of Virginia, and then Thomas is what in the 36. Yeah, he he had he, <laughs> people saw his arm length and they're like, oh, okay, I, I guess that makes sense because he's he's not the most dynamic mover. Um, you know, there's times in his deep pass sets where he can be a little plotty. Um, but like he, he never lost them still. And then you saw the arm life and you're like, Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. I don't know. Um, it's exciting though. We got to get one of those guys though. Right. That's That'd my, be the dream. That's my feeling. I think that if you're, if you're really going to go for this quarterback, and I mean, you're going to upgrade a protection that has been borderline dismal, if not worse, for a while. And I mean, like you've made some strides. I like some of the additions that they've made, but they need a big time protector at this point. So um, can we talk about 26 for a little bit? Yeah, yeah, we can definitely talk 26 for sure. Because I mean, a lot of people think that could be a pick they trade depending on where they move. I'd like to think that that's where they take a running back, though. I don't know where your feeling is. I mean, if it's like a DeAndre Swift. Problem with 26 and taking a running back is it's it's the whole value thing of like, while I love Swift, I think there, I'd have very little argument with having Swift at 26 versus having, you know, any of those back-end guys that I talked about, Cam Akers, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, um, Zach Moss at 56 or 70. Um, I, I don't, I don't think the, while the, the gap on the board is significant, the gap between running backs is not tremendously different. And you can have a stable of guys and get it done. You know, it's great to have a Christian McCaffrey, but like it is the cost of having a Christian McCaffrey worth it. Right. Um, so, I mean, I could understand going running back at 26 because you get that fifth year option. And if they're, they're running well, their health is good. Get them, get them relatively cheap for that fifth year option. Um, But other than that, I I just think there's going to be better value for other positions that could help the dolphins um, than running back there. When a lot of those top five or six running backs, you can plug and play. So what do you like at that spot then? I think 26 is kind of or going to be the, the sweet spot for um, either a, the only interior lineman at this point that really seems worth it is probably Cesar Ruiz at 26, a little, little rich for me, but I think safeties is going to be kind of where it's at for 26. Um, I have uh, starting with McKinney at 21 overall on my board and then uh, Ashton Davis at 24, Winfield at 28, and then Grant Delpit at 30. You could take any of those guys at 26. And I don't think, I think it, people will have a perception that if you take Ashton Davis there, it's high, but he's exactly what the Dolphins need, quite honestly. Um, a single high safety to work over the press man corners that they're working with right now is exactly what they need. Um I'd have no problem with him at 26. I know other people would have a problem with that. Um, but I think if you take any of those four guys at 26, you're feeling really good about that pick. And there's that familiarity with Cal that Miami has right now through their coach. Yeah. With Cal. Alexander being the coach. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Um, I think we can start to roll this down a little bit. Um, some things to go over. We're going to, 
mock draft this weekend. We can't help ourselves, mm-hmm. so we'll do that. We'll do a the last live, one. The last one. We've managed to not do these, which I'm more, more or less proud of us for pulling that off. Because, I mean, it, it is clickbait. I mean, if you're looking to get traffic, then, I mean, I don't know of anything more effective in this, uh, I guess, interest group than... Uh, mock drafts and it's not just football i mean obviously football's the the big driver but uh okay so we'll do a live draft we'll keep it down though in terms of um time between picks so we'll have that going for us um is there anything else we're looking to find a new engine actually to do these shows because we want to bring back the the live callers that's something that i know you miss you bring that up all the time yeah for sure. That, is there any way that we can get people on this show? I've wanted to for a while. It's just, I mean, we with this platform, I mean, we can't. I mean, we can only have a ma- maximum of four people. It sounds great, but it's just not really, I mean, it's not anything that is up to us. So that's something we're looking to bring back. We can have people call in. For the most part, that was that was a lot of fun on that show. We'd always have like the like the random people who would call in, and sometimes you can understand what they were saying. <laughs> and I'd, I'd feel really bad because I mean you don't want to hang up on them, but yeah. So, and then uh, that one dude who used to call in who was always super stoned. I loved him. Maybe like we can because that was Dolphin fan for life. I wonder if we, if he's yep. still around. I gotta ask James. I think James still talks to him. So it's James' birthday to get today, by the way. Actually, oh, happy happy birthday to James! Yeah, right. I haven't I haven't talked to James in a while. Yeah. So, well, that was the thing too that um, when you originally brought this up on because Monday was my birthday, and I held off on that because I wanted to enjoy a full on quarantine experience. <laughs> so, and I didn't want anything to interrupt that. And the only problem was uh, the weather here was absolute shit. I think it was yeah. It was like a yeah, high it was of thirty-seven. It was it was just awful. Like the sun came out, but it was it was windy. It was cold. It was brutal. And e- the day before Easter, uh, so on Sunday here on Easter, it was like sixty-five. So that sucked. Yeah, but no. And so we're we're winding down at this point. We'll do our mock on here. I'll do my final final one beginning of next week. Um, but I mean, other than that, like. Board is set. Um, I technically usually bump out a dolphin-specific horizontal board. Um, that takes some some time, so I might do that this weekend. Um, but we're we're almost there, man. It's it's a week at this point. Do you remember way back when uh, when the the dolphins were talking about using a horizontal board, and then Omar Kelly was trying to ex- explain it to people all the time? <laughs> you remember that? <laughs> yeah Folks, i'm telling you they use a horizontal board yeah no and i mean like uh, most teams typically have some version of both um you know because a lot of the times essentially most teams use a, a vertical board as it's it's just like everybody else says it's the list of your best players first to last yeah. that's it just is what it is but the horizontal board essentially goes round by round position by position obviously in a horizontal fashion um and <laughs> it lays out some some better views of like look this guy may be you know 28th on our board but he's actually you know the second cornerback available so you know based on what we believe positional value wise and stuff he he may be 28th on our board but realistically he's he's the second best corner there is and and that may mean more to us um and it may depend on how things shake out so teams usually have a version of both um that they'll reference um so you know don't don't think a team uses one versus another there may be some teams out there that have a preference and go one versus another but i mean they work through so many different scenarios and and possibilities and they want to have as much information and, and as many viewpoints on what they've pulled together over the course of a year as possible so it's just two different ways of looking at relatively the same thing. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of fun. We'll sit here and we'll try to pretend like we're uh, in the, the dolphins fake virtual war room that they'll have this year. There's zoom room. No, they're using Microsoft teams, uh, which, uh, which quite honestly, we, we use it for work. I don't hate it. 
Um, I can understand why they're using it. It's a little easier to organize different groups within your own big group. Um, Zoom, I think Zoom's quality is a little bit better um, video-wise and stuff like that. But, like, it's easier to organize stuff in teams. So, like, I get it. Um, Definitely not the dream, but I get it. Plus Microsoft endorsement. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... I guess that's I guess that's probably the biggest thing, quite honestly. Well, yeah, is that I remember when they are a sponsor. When they started bitching at uh, all of the the commentators during games because they were referring to the the Microsoft Surface as an iPad. Yeah, the league, oh yeah. The league sent out that thing where they were like, "Stop doing that." Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. So, yeah, I guess that's probably the bigger reason that they went with the teams, not that it's actually functionality. Yeah. Um, but did you see? Uh, Dave Gettleman set up the picture of it that went out. Yeah, I saw that. It looks like he's in his basement. It's so funny that like he has one he has one laptop set up. Like I can't even function on one laptop for my job. Like how are you doing that? And it's funny because the, like the day before, um, Thomas Dimitrov was on Rich Eisen show, which he does every year before the draft, um, and he kind of talks about the process. And he was talking about how it's been different this year and stuff. And and Rich asked him, like, you know, so, like, what's what's your setup? Like, what do you have set up in your home office or wherever you may be um, for the draft? And he's like, well, I've got, I've got like, three big TVs in front of me. Um, you know, essentially the center one's going to have the the live, you know, network feed of the draft. Um, the, the side ones are going to have our two main boards that we're using. Um, you know, I have two monitors that are actually on, like, 30-inch monitors. You know, one of them is going to have our board for just a little bit closer so I don't have to, you know, try to see so far all the time. Um, and then the other one will be our, our main communication, uh, how through Teams or whatever that we're going to use. And he's like talking through all this stuff. And then the picture comes out of Gettleman on his like one little laptop with his gigantic binder of like everything. It's like, dude, I had that same binder issue in like sixth grade when I tried to carry everything in one binder. I feel you. That's not a good way to go. No, that'd be excellent if he had a trapper keeper next to him. I'm disappointed though. I was hoping he was going to have like an iMac or something. Well, I, th- I think the the funniest thing is like the dude has a wired mouse. Like what what made him need a wired mouse? You know, <laughs> what, but- what kind of animal in 2020 uses a wired mouse? It's like the least convenient thing in the world to have all that mouse cord just like curled up because you're six inches away from the laptop. Um, but the, he did have his hand sanitizer and his bottle of uh, hand lotion. So his hands will be clean and smooth when he picks. Right. Uh, that guy. I'm so interested. Well, I mean, if he if they took Daniel Jones at six last year, then far be it from me to predict, sit here and try to predict what they're going to do at four. Because I mean, clearly he he don't care. He, Daddy gonna do he what, does what he wants. Daddy gonna do what he wants. Yeah. Oh dear God, Dave Gettleman, and Dave Gettleman on top of that too. Like, like I I know Thomas Dimitrov is a little eccentric looking compared to most most GM GMs, but like Dave Gettleman's just like some guy that looks like he just got scooped off the street. Like, yeah, put on a sweatshirt or something, man. Maybe some khakis, but like. Just don't come into the office in gym shorts and like a t-shirt, all right? I don't know. It's going to be interesting. Uh, we started using Microsoft Teams at work for our meetings, and then we ditched it in like 20 minutes. So, Yeah, we, we use a mix between Zoom um, and Teams. Uh, you know, just Zoom's better for like presentations and like big meetings, but Teams is nice for like, hey, we got to hop on with two other people. Let's knock this bad boy out in like 10 minutes. Um, But yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting. Um, You know, things will really start to happen when everybody else's servers go down and 20 picks go by unpicked and the Patriots are somehow still, their servers are up and running and they're on the clock and they're just picking like the second best player in the draft because, you know, everybody else's stuff went down. So that'll be the moment. They have to have something in effect where if that happens, then they just, the clock stops. Call a right? timeout. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. No, I think so. Like you have to have some sort of like kill switch at that point. Uh, wow. We went way late. This is our longest show ever, I think. So we were due though. We haven't had a show in a while and then we'd have shows and then we'd lose audio. Die. And then I'd break things and it just was a mess. So 
All right. Thanks to everyone for tuning in. Listen to us rant and make stuff up about the draft or eight days away, almost seven because it's almost Thursday. Today's Wednesday, right? Yeah. Um, we'll do our mock draft this weekend. Maybe we'll do one more show before after that between this weekend and then uh, the draft on April 23rd. Uh, as I mentioned on Twitter, very thrilled that the draft does not fall on my wife's birthday this year like it did last year. That was very inconvenient. Um, anything else? Am I missing anything? No. Again, don't don't panic. You know, don't stress out this week. Um, you know, take care of your families. Take care of yourself. Be healthy. Be safe. Um, number five is going to go fine. Uh, it's going to potentially go one way or another. No reason to be upset either way. Um, things are going to be looking good. I think we're in good hands. I, I think I can say that for yeah. the first time in a while. Like, I think we're going to be okay. So everyone yeah. just believe it and then watch, watch this team break everyone's heart. And then we're just, I mean, there's documented evidence of us talking people off the ledge when we should have been right up on it with them, you know, whatever. Have, have your backup doors ready. Yeah, exactly. So, all right. So for Zach, my name is Keith. Thanks for tuning in, joining us for this almost 50 minute show. And uh, we'll do a mock this weekend and we'll try to keep you entertained until then. Take care. Hello, I'm Neelai Patel, the editor in chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial Series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.